everybody, and welcome to another Wednesday night where we are, by online only, uh, going through the phrase, the last days, that is found often in the New Testament. You find the phrase last days, last hour, latter days, latter years, uh, different uh, phrases that essentially mean the same thing, the last days. And last time we were together, uh, we talked about how the last days go all the way back to the first century where John said, we're in the last hour. The writer of Hebrews said, uh, God has now in these last days spoken to us by his son. So the writers of the New Testament considered that they were in the last days. So the question for us is, are we in the last of the last days? And last time we were together, uh, I showed you that when Israel became a nation again, it was one of the clear prophetic signals that we are indeed in the last of the last days. And I got lots of good feedback on that uh, teaching. And I encourage you, if you haven't been able to see it, to go to the archives and watch it, check it out. And I believe it'll speak to you. But now we're going to look again at the phrase, the last days, and several Bible passages tonight. So I want to encourage you to grab your Bible and follow along with me as we look at these different passages. And I want to mainly focus on something that just really stands out when you read the phrase, the last days. And that is, in the last days, there's going to be a collapse in character, a collapse in the character of last days mankind. And so I want to just jump into where Jesus is teaching. It's in Matthew 24. He's responding to the question, actually three questions, asked of him by his own disciples. They said, Lord, when will these things be? Meaning, when will the temple be torn down? When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, Jesus spent Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 expounding and answering uh, those questions. So I'm jumping in to something Jesus said, starting in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said, Then, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now Jesus was reaching down the tunnel of time, and he was looking at something I want to point out tonight, and that is the character of last day's people. I want you to notice the adjectives Jesus uses to describe the character of the people in the generation that would see his return. He said, they will be betrayers, haters, liars, deceivers, lawless, and loveless. And so those are all character attributes. Those are all negative character attributes. And so Jesus here is telling us that as his return draws nearer, the character of mankind is going to decline. It's really going to go down. It reminds me of what the Bible says in Genesis 6 about the people of Noah's day. It says the imaginations of their heart were only evil continuously. So the same thing here. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, we know the days of Noah were filled with violence, but it was also marked by a tragic decline in character. 
where they only thought evil thoughts. They only had evil motivations. So something that we're going to look at tonight. So it's a ghastly list that Jesus uh, goes into there. But the bottom line is this. In the last days, humanity is going to increase, uh, increasingly adopt a negative attitude towards God's word, and they're going to reject obeying it. They're going to reject God's word. They're going to opt instead to do whatever they decide is right. This lawlessness, which at its core is selfish and self-centered, is going to pause people or cause people to greatly lack mercy and forgiveness, natural affection, and love. Now, Paul the Apostle went even further in describing the character of latter days mankind uh, in 2 Timothy. So I'm going to pick it up in 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you'll turn there with me. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1, Paul uh, immediately prophesies about the last days. He says, but realize this, that in the last days, trying, difficult, and dangerous times will come. For men will be, now watch this, here comes the, the laundry list. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, and haters of people who are good, or haters of what is good. Now, that's a list, and, and it's not a very cheerful list, but again, we're being told that in the last days before Christ comes, the last of the last days are going to be marked by a real degradation uh, in the character of people. I mean, just, uh, you know, honesty and love and natural affection and and um, uh, truthfulness and loyalty and things that we attribute uh, and associate with good character uh, are going to disappear. Man's going to decline. Second Peter chapter 3, the Apostle Peter tells us something else about man's character in the last days. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3, if you'll turn there with me. Just hold your place in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Now here's what he says. Knowing this first, scoffers will come in the last days. Notice, there it is again, the last days. Walking according to their own lusts and saying this, where's the promise of his coming? They're saying it in a mocking way. Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Their pitch is, hey, what are you talking about Jesus is coming? Look at the world. It's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. Jesus isn't coming back. You're crazy for thinking that. And I want you to notice how these last of the last days scoffers will ridicule Christians who are anticipating the return of Christ in the last days. They will openly mock their faith in the return of Jesus. Now, these kind of scoffers have always been around, but, but what Peter is telling us, and Jesus as well, and the Apostle Paul as well, is that these kinds of character qualities, negative character qualities, and evil actions of men are going to multiply. They're going to happen more and more with greater and greater frequency and intensity. It's going to, evil men, Paul wrote in another place, uh, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. Uh, 
deceiving and being deceived. So the worse and worse is the key thing. These kind of negative character attributes that Paul listed, Jesus listed, and now Peter lists are going to get worse and worse as the return of Christ comes. So with that in mind, do you think that we're in the last days? Have you, have you, have you been watching the news? Have you been looking at any YouTube or any uh, social media on what's going on in so many cities, the rioting, burning cities down, um, all the terrible acts of uh, crime, the felonies being committed, the, the uh, um, just a total disrespect for authority, the uh, thumbing your nose at God, the total lawlessness that is just wreaking havoc on city, city after city, Seattle, Portland, New York, Los Angeles. You can just go through a list of cities that are being literally destroyed by really evil and wicked people. Uh, these are not protests over wrong committed. Uh, these have gone way beyond protests into just violence for violence sake and uh, just felonies and uh, just rioting because I want to riot. So uh, we are, uh, to my mind, it looks to me when I look at the world, not just America, but around the world, we see riots like this happening in England. We see the character of people being degraded. Uh, um, honesty seems to be something that um, you can find in the dictionary, but not in real life. In a lot of places, uh, people lie as easily as they breathe air, um, betrayals, uh, murders, just all kinds of things happening around us that really depict the, the, the continuing decline in the character of people. So we need to look at, uh, let's just look at what Paul listed in 2 Timothy. I'm going to take a few of them. I'm not going to deal with all of them, but I want you to listen to uh, first, before I get to Paul's list, to what Jesus said about Noah's time and how our day is also going to look like Noah's day. Because you might be asking this, but, but Jeff, how can we be in the last days when so many people around the world are just living normal, happy lives? They don't seem to have a care in the world. I mean, yes, there's all this violence and there's all this trouble, but on the flip side, people are just going on with life, doing business as usual. So, is it really the last days? I mean, because when I look at the world, though I see all these difficulties and all these problems and all the tumult, I also see people just doing life as usual. Well, listen to what Jesus said about the last days. Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days uh, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the son of man be. Now in Noah's day, the judgment of God was right around the corner. Like I believe it is for us. I believe judgment is right around the corner. I believe Jesus is right at the door. And in Noah's day, they were, they were mere years from certain judgment. The great flood was going to wipe out the entire world. And God's man, Noah, God's preacher for that generation, was busy every day building an ark of deliverance and warning his generation of the approaching judgment of God. 
Peter tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So not only was he building an ark with one hand, but he was preaching with the other hand. He was warning his generation while he built that ark. He was saying a great flood is coming. The judgment of God is coming. You need to repent. But they did not listen to him. No one paid attention to the crazy old man down the street building a boat when there was no water to float it in. They ignored his warnings and they continued with business as usual, utterly blind to their fast approaching faith. And that's what Jesus was pointing out. The reason so many people are carrying on with business as usual today is because like those in Noah's day, they don't see the signs and they don't know what is about to happen to this world. Our generation is acting just like the generation of Noah. They're ignoring the preachers, they're ignoring the warnings, and they're going on with business as usual. So even though we have tumult and chaos and rioting and all of that on one hand, and we have business as usual, people just doing life on the other hand, these are both signs of the last of the last days. Now let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, and just take a few of the character qualities that Paul lists uh, as being those of the people of the last days. Uh, let's see what man's character is going to look at like. And then you tell me, you tell yourself, you talk about it with your family. Do I see parallels between what Paul said and what I see in the character of people in our day? First of all, Paul said in the last days, people will love themselves. Uh-oh, people will be lovers of themselves. They'll be in love with themselves. Now, would you say we're living in a world full of people who love themselves? We call them narcissists, uh, or we call it a narcissistic personality. It's when you're in love with yourself, when you are, are all about you, where your Godhead is not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but it's me, myself, and I. That is the altar upon which you worship, the altar of self. Now, I don't know that there's ever been a more narcissistic, self-centered self-serving generation in all of history than ours. Watch this. We're taught to take care of number one. Well, who's number one to this culture? You. You're number one. And you're to take care of number one. That's what we're taught. Our culture encourages us toward self-help, to self-actualize, to self-discover, to get into self-analysis, self-realization, self-acceptance, and we are to grow in self-esteem. And we take self-ease all the time. We believe we're so important that a simple thing like going to the store and walking down the grocery aisle is worthy of an extended video selfie to put on social media as if anybody cares that you're walking down a, a grocery aisle. But that's how important we have become to ourselves. But you know what? The Bible doesn't teach any of these things about self. And when you read about self in the Bible, the Bible teaches, die to yourself. The Bible says, crucify yourself. The Bible says, esteem other people more than yourself and to love God above yourself. And it's totally contrary and antithetical to our culture. But the Bible is true and what the culture is telling us about self-worship, self-focus, all about self is wrong. It's, it's wrong. And, and I will add, it's not healthy. I believe there's all kinds of psychological problems that develop when you are all about you. Now, the people of our culture will 
put themselves first before God and before everyone else. I believe we see that today. We see it even in the churches that are bringing the culture into the sanctuary. People are more concerned about how they look on the outside than how they are on the inside. And this consumer age we live in is all about me, me, me. As Paul the Apostle so succinctly put it, everybody looks out for their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.21. So we certainly see this character attribute mentioned by Paul, predicted by Paul, in our culture in spades. Now next, Paul said, in the last days, people are going to be covetous. In the last of the last days, covetousness is going to multiply. It's going to grow worse and worse. Instead of seeking after heavenly riches, the majority of people today are seeking for material, worldly riches. We live in an age where people clamor for the latest trendy stuff and they're always longing for more. We've all seen the incredible sight of Black Friday and when those, those places like Walmart or Target open up early in the morning on Black Friday, people literally stomp sometimes others to death to get into that store and grab the stuff before anybody else gets it. That's materialism. That's covetousness squared. In the last days, men will be obsessively materialistic, says Paul, chasing after money, cars, houses, clothes, and other material things. It's, gonna, it's a modern day type of idolatry. You know, idolatry is not necessarily a little wooden figurine that you bow down and worship or rub for good luck. No, idolatry is anything in your life and mine that replaces God, anything. It could be an idea. It can be materialism. It can be another God. It can be a person. It can be you. But anything that takes first place in our heart instead of God is an idol. And Paul says in the last of the last days, material things are gonna be that generation's idol. They will bow and worship at the altar of materialism. Satan is the grand master at diverting people's attention away from God and unto materialism, convincing us that with stuff and things, we're going to find fulfillment. But there's no fulfillment in stuff and things. You have the new thing for a while, and then you want a new thing because the thing that was new is now old, and then you want a new thing to replace what was once new, but now it's old. And you never have enough. The, the carnal eye, the Bible says, is never satisfied. Uh, when Jesus faced the devil in the wilderness, Satan confronted him with three key temptations, and one of them was materialism. Matthew 4, verse 8 through 11, we, see, we read that then the devil led Jesus to the top of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the wonderful things in them. Notice, he showed them the kingdoms, but then he showed him the stuff that was in them. The devil said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I will give you these things, things, stuff, materialism. Satan showed Jesus all the gold, all the silver, all the materialistic splendor of the richest nations of the world. And then he offered him a trade-off. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you all these things. We think, oh, how terrible. He's not going to bow down and worship the devil. Well, of course not, because Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. But here's the deal. 
When we live for material things, we've already bowed down to the devil. We may not know it. We may not consciously see ourselves bowing down to Satan. But when we make things and stuff the primary pursuit of life, and we worship at the altar of materialism, things and stuff, and, and you know, whatever it is, new toys, new cars, whatever, then we've really bowed down to the devil. And so he's going to offer the same tempting trade-off to last of the last days mankind, but this time he's going to successfully lure that generation into the worship of idols and the worship of him. And so I see it. Do you see it? Seems to me we're seeing that in this generation in a major way. Now, here's another one. Next, Paul predicts in the last days, people are going to be boasters and they're going to be proud. They're going to be strutters. They're going to strut like peacocks. They're going to live uh, in, in, in the sin of pride. Now, the Bible says that pride was the original sin. The first sin to ever blacken God's universe was pride. And it showed up in the devil who was created a beautiful being, more beautiful than any of God's creation. We might say the devil looked in a mirror and when he looked in a mirror, he was very, very impressed with what he saw and he developed a wicked aspiration. I'm going to promote myself. I'm going to exalt myself above the heavens and I'm going to be greater than God. I'm going to take the place of God. And when he did that, he was lifted up with pride. God judged him and he was cast to the earth as a disembodied spirit. But the first sin was pride. And many theologians, and I believe this, teach that the sin from which all other th sins spring is pride. When you sin, the root sin of your sin, whatever that sin is, is pride. Pride is the father, the spawner of all other sins. And one of the reasons people seek after materialistic goods and wealth, like we were just talking about, is pride. They want to be able to boast about what they have, what they've achieved, what they've been able to acquire, how much money they have, how big their house is, how nice the car they drive is, that they're wearing Gucci, Armani, or whatever it is they're wearing. They want to be able to, they want to be able to walk in things that cause pride. They're proud about their life. The apostle John said that our fallen world is driven by three main things. The lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Well, what's the pride of life? It's the attitude, I don't need God. I can do this on my own. I've got it going on. I can do anything I put my mind to, and so on. It flows from an attitude of pride. Jesus said, whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and whoever humbles himself shall be promoted and exalted. So last day's mankind is going to walk in a high level of worse and worse pride. I don't need God. I don't need others. I've got it going on. I'm self-sufficient. I'm self-sustaining. I'm sharp enough, bright enough, strong enough, great enough, talented enough to take care of life all on my own. I don't need the almighty. And they're going to walk in that pride and it's going to grow worse and worse. Now I ask you, do you see that kind of pride in America and in our world today? Oh, I tell you, I sense such an attitude. I don't need God. I don't need prayer. 
I don't need the Bible. I don't need religion. I am all I need. And while their day is coming, when all of that is going to be crushed, broken down, and they're going to realize a day late and a dollar short how badly they needed God, starting with the salvation only Jesus Christ can give to you. Now, next, Paul predicted in the last days, well, this is a big one. Watch this now. In the last days, children will be disobedient to parents. Now, if you go back just 40 or 50 years, which I can do, I can think back that far, you will find that children had far more respect for adults and authority than they do now. But now you've got a world full of children who have little or no respect for their parents, for adults, for teachers, for police, for any authority at all. Because watch this, God created the home to be the number one first place that children encounter authority, God's authority, because God's authority is invested in mom and dad. Are they perfect? No. But are they God's authority in the life of that child? Yes. So the child is to learn in the home how to respond to authority with respect and uh, with deference. If they don't learn it there, they will run into authority in the school. And if they don't learn to respond with respect and deference to authority in school, then they will run into it with the police. And if they don't learn to respect authority through deference to police, respect for law, law enforcement, then they will encounter authority in jail. And that's the final stop of where you will encounter God's authority. But either way, somewhere along that journey, home, school, police, prison, you must learn to respond to authority with respect and deference. But the last generation, the last of the last days, respect for authority is gone. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about authority, all right? Romans 13, one to two, for all authority comes from God. And those in position, now let me stop there. Did you catch that? All authority comes from God. We call it delegated authority. God is a God of authority. The whole universe answers to him. The whole universe must bow to him. He is the ultimate authority of the entire universe. But as long as we're living on planet earth as human beings, God is going to delegate some of his authority to people. And all of us encounter authority in people in life. We encounter it with our boss. We encounter it in marriage. We encounter it with parents. We encounter it with police. We encounter it with government. We, we encounter authority everywhere we go. Now, notice he's saying the people in whom the authority has been delegated are never going to be perfect, but the authority they walk with comes from God. And those in positions of authority, I'm reading now, Paul continues, those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. And that's why this whole thing, I wanna be careful how I say this, but I gotta say it. This whole thing of all police are evil. All police should be uh, defunded. 
all police should be hated is, is such a wrong spirit because every profession has bad apples. Every profession. I don't care what it is. Preachers, there's bad apples. Uh, CPAs, bad apples. Teachers, there's bad apples. You name the profession, there's bad apples. There's bad apples in the police, of course, in law enforcement. But that doesn't mean they're all bad. And what we lose sight of is God has given law enforcement to restrain evil. Because without law enforcement, we are immediately plunged into anarchy. So he's telling us here in Romans 13, and this is not Jeff, I'm reading Romans 13, one to two. Read it yourself. Read Romans 13, one through five. Read the whole thing. Because it's talking about how law enforcement is given to uphold God's law and to restrain evil. Because God knows the fallen heart of man. And that if we didn't have restraints on evil and we were allowed to give full expression to our sinful hearts, we're in anarchy and there's no more society. It's gone. It's gone. It's collapsed. It's gone. There's no more civilization. Any viable civilization has got to have laws. And with those laws, there has to be law enforcement. If not, there's no civilization, no society, no culture at all. You are living in primitive times, every man for himself, people killing one another, hating one another. Only the strong survive. Everybody else is killed off. You don't want to live in a world like that. Neither do I. But Paul is telling us that in the last days, there is going to be a lawlessness that is going to be pandemic. You want to talk about a pandemic? There's another pandemic besides COVID and it's lawlessness. And that lawlessness is so dangerous because lawlessness wants to overthrow law. And when law is overthrown, brother, you're in big trouble. All this rioting we're seeing, the over-the-top lack of respect for police, the lawlessness driving those that are destroying whole cities, the utter lack of fear of consequences. And a lot of them, you look at them, you watch the YouTube uh, videos of the ones involved. They're young. You know, they're 16, 15, 14. I've seen young teenagers and totally lawless. And this is what Paul is predicting. In the last of the last days, law and order is going to disintegrate. And then the lawless one, the Antichrist, he's called the man of lawlessness, will take over. And he will take over by tyranny, not law and order, tyranny. And that's what you get when civilizations collapse after law has been torn down. You get rule by tyranny every time. I guarantee you the disrespect we're seeing for authority in the streets began with disrespect for authority in the home, in the school, and with police. And now it's out there running wild. Satan loves disobedience, folks. And if he can get children to disobey at an early age, then they're going to find it more difficult to be obedient to God and to respect authority as they grow up. And so in the last days, lawlessness is going to abound and get worse and worse and manifest in hatred of authority, God-given authority. Now he goes on, in the last days, people will be unthankful. I don't need to spend much time on this because we know we're living in a very unthankful culture. Most of us recognize that one of the reigning characteristics of society today is thanklessness, ingratitude. We live 
in an entitlement culture, which is the opposite of a thankful culture, where people believe they're owed everything. The government owes me my education, owes me my health care, owes me my food, owes me a house, owes me this and owes me that because I'm so wonderful and you ought to be waiting on me. And, and, and you, you listen to these people, there's not a scintilla, not a thread of thanksgiving, of thankfulness in them at all. Even when you give them what they say they're owed, they don't say thank you. They walk away as if, well, that's what you should have done. No gratitude at all. And when government doesn't give it to them, have you noticed? When government won't give them what they say they're owed, they curse and they rail against the government. In the last days, thanklessness, ingratitude, and an entitlement attitude will rule the day. I ask you, are we there? Are we in the last of the last days? These are characteristics of last day's character. And so I read this and I'm teaching this and I leave it to you to decide. To my mind, it sure looks that way. In the last days, people will be unholy, Paul goes on to say. Now, I don't need to spend much time on that one either. I think we all know that holiness has gone the way of the dodo bird uh, in most places. Uh, we live in last days, a last days culture that holds no regard for what is sacred, godly, or sanctified. Uh-uh. Vile language fills the airways with no fear of God. Immorality is flaunted with no fear of God. Holiness is mocked while the worst kinds of immorality and behavior are celebrated. No, we're living in very, very unholy times. And Paul the Apostle said, in the last days, men will be unholy. Now in the last days, he also says, and here's a big one as we're coming to a close. In the last days, people will be without natural affection. Wow, think about that. Stop, now here's the Apostle Paul. He's being moved on by the Holy Spirit. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And God is literally taking hold of him and carrying him, carrying him into the future, centuries into the future, and showing him what the last of the last days character of people is going to be like. And Paul is shown that last days mankind is going to be devoid of natural affection. Now, this one really strikes me particularly strongly because it's so prevalent in our day. Watch this, folks. We're living in a day and in a culture that has placed its seal of approval on killing late-term baby, late babies in the womb. Killing late-term babies in the womb and even letting them die on a stainless steel table should they survive an abortion. Can I say, friends, that's not natural. Something is terribly wrong there. That's not natural. Paul said, in the last of the last days, man is gonna be without natural affection. How can you have any less natural affection than that? That you would let a baby sit there on a stainless steel table and die that survived an abortion because that baby is gonna cramp your style because that baby's not wanted in life. You're gonna let it lay there and die. I've heard nurses testify who watched that happen. Man without natural affection. When New York Mayor Mario Cuomo signed the latest hideous new abortion legislation into law, and I say hideous because it is, the gallery of politicians that were present, and I mean men and women, stood and cheered. That's not natural. That's not normal. 
That's not the way God made us. That is heartless. That is godless. That is spooky, chilling. Surely such a society is facing the judgment of God. And I believe we are. America needs to repent because this is what we have descended to. Now in the last days, Paul also says, people will be despisers of those that are good. I don't need to spend long on this one either. The word Paul uses for despisers means haters of what is of and from God. Men in the last days will be despisers of the good that comes from God. Last days, people will hate the Bible, the moral teaching of scripture, the gospel, righteous living and righteous livers, those living righteously and those that love the Lord Christians. They will despise them, hate them. Um, the mild antipathy that used to be directed towards Christians and Christian living has now turned into outright hostility. What was antipathy is now hostility and is getting worse and worse. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, hating those that are good. Do you see it out there? Are you aware that persecution is rising in the West, rising in America, the land of the free, home of the brave? It's rising. We're having to fight for our liberties, the liberties we always took for granted. Now we're having to fight to keep them because such persecution and, and uh, dislike for Christians and Christian living is rising in our culture. Paul then says that in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Well, we're there. And not just sexual pleasure, but whatever coddles and comforts and caresses the flesh, entertainment, a life of ease. Jesus said in both the days of Noah and the days of Lot, Men were focused on eating and drinking. I used to read that and go, well, what's the big deal? But Jesus is letting us know that there was a particular focus on feeding the flesh, eating, drinking, living to feed your appetites as if it were one of their great pastimes. It was all about eating, drinking, partying, feeding the flesh in the days of Noah, in the days of Lot. Focus on the cravings of the flesh will characterize the last of the last days. Are we there? Well, I think we are. And finally, the last one in the last days, people will have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power of it. The last days are gonna be characterized by people claiming to be Christian, but they're not. Now listen cl closely to me because I'm seeing this as a pastor more and more and more. People who say they're Christians, but they're not. They're not living Christian lives. They're deceived. They will outwardly look religious, but on the inside, they are anything but. God spoke through Isaiah the prophet uh, to the people of his day, saying, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They're playing the game, but it's not real. It's fake Christianity. It's fake church. It's fake spirituality. And it will grow worse and worse in the last days. Jesus said, when he comes to judge the world at his final return, there's going to be people that say to him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and in your name, uh, um, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So there's going to be a group of people that thought they were saved and they're not thought they were right with God, but they weren't. 
And when we look at these descriptions of the character of last days mankind, we ask again, are we there? Are we there? Can we read Paul's words about the last days, Jesus' warnings, Peter's warnings, and surmise that it sure looks that way to me, the character of mankind is in decline. But now I wanna to talk to you as we close. It's not to be so for the church. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, but the path of the just is like the shining light that gets brighter and brighter until the perfect day. The perfect day is the return of Christ. So while the world gets darker, brethren, we're to get brighter. And so I encourage you, walk with Jesus, stay in the word. And yes, indeed, we're in the last of the last days. Let's lift up our heads, our redemption draws nigh. These are exciting times spiritually, though they are difficult times in the natural. I love you. Stay tuned. Next time we continue on this great series on the last days. My prayers are with you. I hope I see many of you Sunday at either 9 or 11. God bless you.